0: And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Now, a little bit of a note here. It's February when this uh, podcast is being released. I'll explain in a minute. faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, (sighs) self-appointed, Apostles and apostles, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex is those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over again, we, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical far from biblical. Far from what God's word says, and uh, we're trying to save you an eternal heartache of woe. That's a good way to put it. Okay, so a little bit of an update. The, so those of you podcast listeners noted that the uh, the podcast has updated, and we threw out an, uh, an episode from January seventh. Yes. So if you uh, you know kind of the timeline, then uh, if yeah, then you know what's going on. If not, I'll explain it to you. So when the uh, this uh, this original episode of Fighting for the Faith aired on our YouTube channel, which was January 7th, uh, that was uh, when I was diagnosed with COVID. And, uh, and so January 7th was the first day I, I had symptoms. Uh, and uh, as a result of it, uh, I went into uh, <clears throat> my season of COVID. And I didn't have it terrible, but it wasn't good is the best way I can put it. And, uh, it took me some time to regain my stamina. I, uh, let's just say that even after, uh, you know, you know, two weeks later, even after I had ridden out the storm of COVID, it took me a few more weeks to have enough stamina to put in a, a, a normal full day's worth of work. Uh, but no sooner did I get over COVID that my wife came down with symptoms and, uh, and she had a rougher, uh, rougher ride than I did. In fact, uh. Uh, we ended up having to take her to the hospital for uh, for one day, and uh, that it was it was just really much more difficult for her. So no sooner did I get over COVID than I, we were hit with uh, me having to spend a significant portion of my day caring for my wife uh, while she wrote out COVID, and uh, she's still not quite back to uh, to a hundred percent. So uh, all of that being said. I knew that I had to keep the uh, the the YouTube channel going, but knew that it was going to be a little bit more time before I was able to have the stamina and the time and everything sorted out to where I would have the freedom to, you know, world the podcast back up. So no sooner did we bring the podcast back when you know we were struck with tragedy. So that's why uh for For the next uh, you 're going to note for the next you know week or so we 're going to be releasing episodes that are uh, a few weeks back and and in this particular case, you know like six seven, eight weeks back yeah but don 't worry we'll catch up we 'll catch up uh, but uh, we appreciate the prayers that you have offered up on behalf of myself and my wife as we wrote out covid and uh, and hopefully we we've got no uh, we've got no difficulties like that ahead of us. So with all that being said, you now are up to speed on what's going on. And uh, and so what we're going to be doing on this installment of Fighting for the Faith, we're going to be playing the audio from my interview with Pastor Will Whedon of the WordEndures.org, which is a fantastic resource if you're looking for a podcast, a daily podcast that will get you into God's Word. So that you can understand it with with depth, with clarity, and uh, and with a teacher who understands that the scriptures are about Jesus, not about you, then uh, the wordendures dot org is going to be your resource. So I'm really looking forward uh, to you hearing my interview with Pastor Will Whedon. So let's get to it. Here we go. Now, if you've been watching Fighting for the Faith for any amount of time, even if you're new and you've been binge-watching our videos, uh, that seems to be a thing, uh, then you'll note that oftentimes we get feedback from our viewers and from the listeners of the podcast who say things to the effect of, you know, I didn't realize how little I understood the Bible. What do I do next? What are next steps? So obviously, part of your next steps is, Uh, You need to consider finding a faithful church where they're properly handling God's Word. But I want you to know that there are also resources available to help you with an understanding of God's Word. And one of them is uh, the website and the podcast, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. So I've invited onto the program today, Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon, good to see you, sir. How are you? I'm great, Chris. It's good to be with you today. I'm glad to have you. So, uh we uh, we're going to talk about the word of the Lord endures forever. And um and I, as I look through your uh, your your podcast website, th- there there are a lot of resources here. In fact, let me do this. I'm going to pull whirl up my desktop and uh here we are at the at the wordendures.org. This is a uh uh, a resource made available by Lutheran Public Radio. That's the folks who put together the uh, Issues, etc. program, which, by the way, is just a great daily uh, program dealing with the uh, you know politics and theology and kind of all the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis as Christians, and a good way to learn a, a biblical worldview in light of all the latest events going on in the world. But your program is, um, if I'm not mistaken, a 15 minute daily podcast. And you just work through the biblical text, exegetically, verse by verse by verse. Talk to me about your format and what it is that you are doing in this program.
1: Sure. Well, it is such a joy to do. Um, The the program literally goes verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And as we go through the Bible, of course, we're going to pay attention to what does the Greek say, what does the Hebrew say, whatever. We're going to look at the original text. But we're also going to sort of give our ear to what do the church fathers teach Mm -hmm. us about this, that, or the other, and the Reformation fathers. And, you know, all through the history of the church, people have been living in this word of God for a very long time. And they have some really good insights that the Spirit has given them that it's really great to check out and hear. And when you work your way through through the fathers like that, you realize, wow. They number one, they do not belong to Rome. Number two, <laughs> you they gotta do say not belong that now. You to gotta say Orthodox. that Orthodox. I do, right. I do. And, and it's really important to get this. They belong to the whole Christian church. And right. so they're part of that great heritage. And yep. they say lots of things that wouldn't fly very well with the way Roman Catholics think today, by, yep. by a long shot. Um, or or the Orthodox. So when you work your way through the fathers, it's always great to listen to them. Always recognizing the church has a history of controversy on different doctrinal points, right? Yeah. And so before a controversy fully erupts, a father may speak what we would say imprecisely, because the language hadn't been honed down yet. It hasn't been yep. clarified on that point. So yep. you gotta give them a little bit of slack. I mean, you can't say, Well, look, there, he's clearly being Pelagian. Before there was ever a Pelagius, <laughs> to, to, right. to, to be teaching that. So uh, uh, they're, they're just wonderful insights into the word of God. And the cool thing about all these men that we focus on is that they all sort of made the word of God be their home. It was the place they lived. It was how they learned to understand themselves, the world, their place in it. So as we're going through the scriptures, the scriptures are the light to our path. You know, they are the ones that we will listen and and, and, and ponder but we will also then listen to those who have thought long and hard about them.
0: All right. Very good. So, and this is one of the things that I, like a major criticism I have of today's Christians is that they do not have an understanding of church history and they kind of hold the church fathers suspect. You you noted the fact that they don't belong to Rome. They don't, but they belong to the church. Uh, But you know, I I remember years ago reading uh, one of the peanuts cartoons, uh, Charles Schulz, and I think it was uh, it, it was um, Charlie Brown's sister who was uh, writing a, a term paper on church history, and and so you know she's got her cursive and she's writing out and she says my thesis on church history, church history it all began when my pastor was born in February of 1929, and that, and that's that's how evangelicals think they have no concept of the fact that. There, there have been Christians for two millennia, and because of the apostasy of Rome and the usurpation of the uh, bishop of Rome, uh, they they look at the church fathers suspiciously. So they've never read uh, Gregory of Nazianzus. They've never read Eusebius or Polycarp or Augustine or Irenaeus or even Tertullian. And as a result of that, um, the, you know, it's almost like. Every generation of each evangelicals has to reinvent the wheel theologically. It's it's this weird thing. So how how then is a is, what is a good way to look at the church fathers? Do we judge them by scripture, or do we judge the scriptures by them?
1: Well, absolutely, we are not going to judge the scriptures by them. Now yeah. they are primary witnesses, though, to how the scriptures were received. So like when you're talking about the canon, like where did the Bible come from? Where where does this book come from? Uh They are witness to that. It's really important. They they point to the authentic writings that were received in apostolic churches, right? You know, I mean, if If Rome, if the church in Rome vouches for the the authenticity of the epistle to the Romans, you got a really strong argument that okay, this this was written to the Romans, same Corinth or Ephesus, whatever. So yeah, I mean, they had that role, but their primary role for what. For my purposes, for my show, is in their witnessing to how the word of God's teaching has been received and preserved throughout the centuries. Okay. So, in other words, let's just take a real simple one: Christ is true God. Now, granted, in in the the um, fourth century, you've got Arius arising and saying, "No, he's not." I mean, basically a, a, a proto uh, Jehovah Witness dude, right? Right. You know, he's not really God, and. Then against this, God raises up someone like Athanasius um, mm-hmm. in Alexandria, and and his stuff's gold. I mean, it's just gold. And so Athanasius writing against um, uh, against Arius goes through the scriptures and points passage after passage after passage. No, look, you can't end up saying Jesus is a creature if all things were made through him. And without mm-hmm. him was not anything made that was made. And if in him is life and that life is the light of men, well, then this man is true God. The word, the eternal word who was with the father and who is God. He's the one who became flesh. So, right. I mean, he, he just literally lays out the case and the church just begins collecting and accumulating these arguments for laying forth the teaching of scripture in a, um, I don't want to say systematic because that's way too generous a term for back then. Um, it was it was it was the Wild West back then. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're still hammering out things like the deity of the Holy Spirit, the deity of Christ. And as they work through it, though, they always turn to the scripture. In fact, Gregory of Nyssa, his famous line on this is, hey, he was dealing with the Eunomians. He's like, y- 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 you bring you bring your teaching up to the bar of scripture. We will let scripture be the umpire here. It's mm-hmm. going to decide who's teaching the truth. And like, for example, another great, uh, uh fourth century father, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem, as he's teaching, he said, look, he's saying this to catechumens. So brand new yep. people on the way to becoming Christians. He's like, don't you believe me just because I say it? You need to receive the proof of what I'm saying to you from the word of God. Yeah. And so this becomes the, the father's hallmark is that they absolutely insist on the authority of scripture and scripture alone to determine the truth. I mean, you mentioned Augustine, one of the funniest exchanges that happened. Jerome, Jerome was at the same time as Augustine and Jerome Mm was a little testy guy. And, and, and Augustine criticized something that he said and Jerome just, you know, very not, not happy with that. And as a result, Augustine writes back and says, whoa, dude, not quite like that, but something like that. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Come on! I've I've learned that it's only the sacred scriptures that I accept as perfectly true. I am free to disagree with absolutely anyone else, no matter what their holiness or sanctity or anything. The scriptures are what determines the truth. So I mean, the fathers are just prime, prime, prime witness to that reality, which is I think uh, part of their great value. It's not only, and I want to. They not only get that right about the scriptures that that they're well. You remember how Saint Paul said in First Thessalonians five: test all things. Yeah. Don't despise prophesies, but test them. How do you test them? Well, that, are they in congruence with what the Word of God declares? All of the fathers
0: are united. That's exactly how you find it out. Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you this: is that uh, one of the things I find fascinating? Is that you? Know, you what you've just said is absolutely true. In the writings of the church fathers, over and again when the heretics come up, they they will marshal biblical texts. They don't go into church tradition uh, mm-hmm. very much for that. And the closest thing you can make a, as an argument for that would be like uh, Irenaeus and his Contra Heresies uh, where he talks about what's called the rule of faith, which really sounds like a, a – a, I like to argue it as like a, a rough draft of the Nicene Creed. A,
1: a, a proto creed, right.
0: Yeah, it's it's really, and he claims he got it from Polycarp, and Polycarp is the disciple of the Apostle John when he was uh, bishop of Ephesus. So you know, there's a good pedigree there. But but what I find fascinating is is that like when you talk with Roman Catholics today and you quote Scripture to back up, you know, no, we're saved by grace apart from works, they'll say all the heretics always quote the Bible. You know, it's like,
1: and and we don't want to deny it. It's true. They do. They absolutely do.
0: But, I mean, St. Irenaeus gave the
1: best example of it. He said, um, the, the heretics quote the scripture as if you were to take a mosaic of a great king and you were to rearrange all the stones into a picture of a fox. Yes. So, Irenaeus's point is you know, you've got the scriptures interpreted correctly when what emerges from them is the picture of the great King, when right. they're being read Christologically so that they are, that they are, they're like an icon to Jesus. You read yep. the scriptures and you're learning all about him. Yep. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's, let's see if we can keep going. It's, it's a real, it's a real challenge. I mean, I remember on a, previous radio show i used to do on on the word called thy strong word i had a pastor who he absolutely insisted on the air that well you know the big thing is to ask what does this text mean to me and and i always like no it isn't there couldn't be a more irrelevant question who cares what it means to you and he's like you can't say that and i said i just did You know, um, it it is absolutely silly because they're not, they're not given primarily for you to find yourself in them. They are given, Jesus, what did he say of them? These are they that testify of me. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not getting Jesus out of your read, especially of the Old Testament, but it happens in the New too, right, where people are able to oh, yeah. read the New Testament and make it be nothing but – what do we call it? A law book, and they totally ignore that, hey, this, this, this document is – documents, they're given so that you might see and believe and rejoice in your Savior. They're all about yeah. him.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's what uh, John says, you know, at the end of his gospel. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So so real quick, uh, one of the things I talk about regularly on Fighting for the Faith is a phenomenon I call narcegesis. Uh, if you're familiar with eisegesis, that's like reading things yeah. into the biblical text that are not there. Uh, narcegesis is a, a narcissistic way of reading yourself into the biblical text. And so this is this is a phrase that uh, we coined years ago on fighting for the faith. It was actually a listener who came up with the idea of of naming it that because I would just call it narcissistic eisegesis, and they just said, just squish the two words together. But uh but that's great. <laughs> it, it, the way the way it works is is that you read the story of David and Goliath, right? And there's David with his five smooth stones, and Goliath, you know, the 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 the, the, the giant who's taunting uh, the armies of the living God. And Narsa Jesus would basically say, uh, so what's the Goliath in your life and what are your five smooth stones so that you can slay your giant? What's it wrong puts, with it that? It puts
1: you in the place of David.
0: Yeah. And that's so,
1: totally missing. Wait a minute. There's a son of David who goes in the place of David and he knows how to get rid of that, 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 that giant. Watch him yeah, sell him. That's,
0: him. that's right. Know? So Christologically then, and this is what the church fathers do, like, like yes. almost to a fault. Uh, they'll read biblical texts and they will find ways to tie it right back to Christ.
1: Well, I mean, is it fair to say? I think it's totally fair to say, it's what the new, it's how the New Testament teaches you to yep. read the Old Testament. I mean, exactly. think about it. Think about it when Saint Paul drops that bomb and says, in First Corinthians ten, "Oh, and the rock that followed them was Christ."
0: Yep. Like,
1: what? He's like, no, no, that, that, that was really Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the one. And and so, you know, or, or in Hebrews, Joshua, Joshua is actually going to be, you know, he's going to be this new Jesus, uh, the the new Joshua who leads you into the promised land. I mean, it's all there.
0: Yep. And in fact, I noticed something here. Hang on a second here. I'm going to go back to our desktop view Uh, on your website. You've done an entire study on the Book of Hebrews, yes. And Hebrews, fun. Hebrews is one of these uh, uh, one of these books that, like, overtly over and over and over again teaches us to look at the types and shadows of the Old Testament and to see them connecting to Christ. Uh, give us right. some of the highlights from the Book of Hebrews on that.
1: Oh man, highlights! That's really hard. There are so there's so much in that book. I, I got to tell you, my all time favorite passage in that well there's there's more than one but the one that i always go to as as helping most of all is in in Hebrews 12 where mm-hmm. he's dealing with um he contrasts what happened with Israel at Sinai with the experience of being in Christ uh being yep. Christians and so he's like you know they had a mountain that burned with fire and a voice that scared the bejeezes out of them so that, you know, they were like, please don't, don't let us hear that anymore. Or we'll
0: die. You're paraphrasing, Whedon. You're paraphrasing.
1: If, 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 even Moses was terrified, right? You know? And then, then he goes, you've come. You have come. It's not present tense. It is not future tense. It is past tense. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to this innumerable company of angels. You have come to the, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You have come. And so what is, this, what is it to be the church? What is it to be in Christ? It's for all those realities that were pointed to in the Old Testament to be realized fully for you in Jesus, in his blood, which is not an idea, but a blood that's an actual gift, which he actually wants yeah. to put into you. Um, right. and literally cleanse you with it so yeah. this becomes a great overwhelming joy in the book of hebrews the sacrifice of christ all the all hebrews makes leviticus interesting
0: <laughs> you know? yeah no you're but right
1: all of a sudden you see wait a minute jesus is the sacrifice jesus is the priest jesus he, he, he he's the new and better than moses i mean in fact the word on the book of hebrews is better so everything yep. from the Old Testament is there, and it all gets ratcheted up and better. And all yours, all in Him.
0: Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I knew you'd knock that out of the park.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just love that book. And
0: yeah, and, no. And, and, it, it, in fact, you cannot understand Leviticus apart from Hebrews. No, and and, no. and so many people today, they uh, you know, as as Christians, they almost have a despising of the Old Testament and And think that it 's somehow irrelevant, uh, but you can 't properly understand the new test uh, New Testament apart from the old, and you cannot properly understand the Old Testament apart from the new it 's this weird intermeshing of the two that unless Absolutely. you let the voice of scripture teach you how to understand the old testament it 's going to be a locked book for you
1: right right I mean you remember the saying of Saint Augustine the, you know the old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. It's all there because it's all Jesus. And so the witness to Christ from from prophets and apostles it ends up dancing together, and it fills your heart with joy when you really see it. I mean, the Scriptures become such a joyous place to live. I want I want to stress that people sometimes picture Bible study as boring. I'm like, have you even read it? How could you possibly think that? I mean, you're reading a lot, and you're like saying, whoa. What do you mean, Benaya killed a lion in a pit on the day when the <laughs> snow fell? What is what's is going on here? You know, it's like, oh, he's
0: one of. Well, haven't you units. killed your what's your what's your lion that you need to right, audaciously? Right. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I, I, I just had to do that. There is an actual book by a guy by the name of Mark Batterson where he narcissates that text and basically says, you, you know, you need to have the audacity of Benaya and go and slay your your uh, your lion oh. in your snowy pit
1: like, Oh my uh... goodness! <laughs> oh. Crazy. But, I mean, so, once w- once the Christological stuff really does start to gel. I mean, can I just get? I mean, this is this is maybe pushing it, but I, I, this is pushing it like the fathers would push it. So you, you, you're in Genesis and you're reading about the deception of Isaac, right? Yeah. So so Rebecca actually dresses her younger son and the older son's closer that he smells to dab yeah like the older son and then he receives the older son's blessing mm-hmm. and the older son receives the younger son's curse yep and you just stop and think about it and you're like oh wow yeah um our the church, like our mother, actually wraps us up in Christ so that we smell to the Father, like who is willfully blind to all of our sins, and then yes! who, who absolutely then lays on us all of the blessings that belong to His only begotten, so that He can lay on His only begotten all of the price of our sin. I mean, there, that's just a little piece. I mean, here, yeah. let me give me one more. Think about think about Moses being thrown into the water he's a born a child of slaves, born yep. a child of slaves, sentenced to death, right and then he's drawn out of the water, and he's in the royal house
0: and family and don't forget he was in an ark'
1: he was he, in an ark he was yeah. in an ark <laughs> <laughs> <I mean, laughs> by, by the time you start putting it all together, you go, this is just absolutely amazing and yeah. and, and the key to 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 realizing that okay we're not we're not eisegeting here we're mm-hmm. recognizing that god is a poet and as a poet he definitely has um what i i don't know i mean do, do you do guitar you do guitar don't you
0: no not oh, no. anymore no. i used to okay. when i was
1: young and and in vain <laughs> my, my, my my wife does guitar though she always played around with those things what are they called Har- harmonic harmonic yeah yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where, where you get to hear i mean like if if it vibrates at a certain level it 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 rings higher up. their sympathetic yep. ringing, right? The yep. scripture is full of those sympathetic ringings. Um, yeah, you know, it, it starts at one spot and it just calls out. Another way of putting it is, it's it's antiphonal. It answers itself back and forth. So yeah. once you get drawn into the whole of it and it becomes your home, well, then you're going to be equipped to actually be able to see whether or not you're being dealt with by a heretic who is simply, um, you know cherry-picking and ignoring, or whether yeah. or not you have the picture of the great king. Have they, ha, ha, has Is the picture that's emerging from Scripture the picture of the stupid fox, or is it the picture sure. of the great king?
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good way to put it. And and I, I will say this, is that uh, we did a series on our YouTube channel. I called it a Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament. Where I introduce people to some of these types and shadows, but uh, mm-hmm. i do a lot I do a lot more of this in my uh, in my weekly teaching in the sure. congregations that i serve uh, i ju- in fact just this past week uh, I did a a study on the rebellion of Absalom against david and ah. I- I, I've heard some terrible sermons about that particular portion of Scripture, by the way, and over and again, it's it's it only focuses on well, this is what David got uh, because it was this was his punishment for uh, for sleeping with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah the Hittite. But there's more going on there that uh, that I think that a lot of people need to pay attention to. Uh, especially as it relates to the death of Absalom Absalom was dead in a he was, tree in a, he was hanging in a tree man okay <laughs> and and the somebody son of offered
1: david hanging in a tree.
0: yeah the son of david hey, he and the text says he was suspended between heaven and earth yes. and it, it's you know and it's like oh wait a second I Galatians says something about cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree you know and 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 it's like and then you start connecting the details and uh and a Joab the commander of the offer, uh, army offered to have uh, uh Absalom betrayed for pieces of silver but the guy wouldn't wouldn't give in so eventually he dies by having a spear put into his heart it's like do you not see the connections? It's like the yes. types and shadows in reverse. It's, Absalom becomes an antichrist, the, the depiction of what it looks like when, you, uh, when one dies for their own sins rather than having Christ die for theirs. You right. know,
1: right, right. I mean, uh, that's so beautiful. I mean, I, I kind of, in that way of, of thinking about it, everybody in the end ends up being one of those two thieves on the cross. You yeah. know, so you're going to go into death. You're either going to be railing at the uselessness of a God who can't get you out of this final predicament, or <laughs> you're going to be be saying to Jesus, "Hey, Lord, I'm only getting what I deserved, but Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom?" Exactly. And, and all of a sudden, you realize, you know what? Let Jesus come in between, and everything is enlightened. So, I, I, yeah. I honestly think that is. The, the great gift of, of the fathers, and it's actually like I said, the gift of the New Testament, and yeah. learning how to read the Old. And then once you do that, you take the Old Testament, and you go back, and you realize, oh my goodness, it's, it's so full of Jesus and everything in the New Testament. All these types that are celebrated about Christ, he's the temple. <laughs> I mean, you go to, yeah. th- 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 there. There is no end to it. It's just, he's every- the temple.
0: He's the sacrifice. He's the high priest. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah how it's like wait a second he's like that means he's doing everything for us
1: yeah yeah there, there's a there is one of the i think it's in the jerusalem bible that they render the passage in colossians Um, the christ he, he is all and in all they they render it there is only christ and he is everything and in everything
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: i love that there is only christ that that's what the the, the scriptures
0: teach you, yeah so, let's take a look at your website for a minute here. Okay. Um and uh, so I've got we, we it's it's been sitting open here and uh, and if somebody wants to uh, visit this it's uh, the word Uh I've noted already that uh, ha- however you want to do your podcast, you can do it on Spotify, you can do it on a I- iHeart Radio. You can do it on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Podbean and all this kind of stuff. You guys are a little farther ahead of me when it comes to uh, you know, making other channels of uh, of uh, podcastage available is the best way I can put it. But th- there is a truckload of biblical study already. You have gone through the entire Gospel of John. You've gone through the entire Book of Hebrews. You've gone through the entire Book of Romans. And as of today, when we're recording this episode of Fighting for the Faith, uh, you are on part one hundred and twenty of the Book of Matthew, and you're not even. You're what two thirds of the way through?
1: Well, we're in, we're in chapter. Tw- I'm right now. I mean, I don't know what. I honestly don't know what the podcast is playing. I only know what I'm writing. So what okay. I'm I writing right now is I'm finishing up chapter twenty three. So yeah, okay. it, we're we're beginning to come to the end. And by the way, I think our next one is going to be Hosea. And I will add, we've also done. If you go to our YouTube channel, uh-huh. um, you can also find. Uh, videos where we discuss some of the questions that that uh, listeners send in and uh, um, our, our mutual friend Pete Slayton he oh, yeah. does he he did the videos for us and, and he actually sort of emcees some of the the questions so they're there also on I think on the website you can find uh, links to the videos that I did with Matt Whitman which might okay. also just be sort of helpful for people who are like Lutheran? What the heck is a Lutheran thingy? You know, yeah. I, I get that. I mean, we're, we're not the most well-known thingy. So, well, that I think
0: that's our fault, by the way. Uh, I do too. Because here, here, I, this is. I got I to pick a. I got to pick your brain on this. So, I I I started off in. Uh, at, I was baptized Roman Catholic, Um and the only my only exposure to Rome was through my grandparents. My when I would visit my grandmother and my grandfather, they would take me to the Latin Mass. I didn't understand a word of it. All I did was make sure I looked left and right, and when people stood up, I stood up. When they sat right. down, they sat down. When they kneeled, I kneeled. I didn't understand a word of it. And um, that, so that was my exposure to Rome. But uh, but then my my real exposure to Christian theology comes through the Free Methodists and then the Nazarenes, very legalistic. And, um, and I... I I didn't know anything about Lutherans. I thought Lutherans were just kind of failed Roman Catholics, you know, that you know because or a Roman
1: Catholic light, yeah, right, Roman Catholic
0: light because you know their 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 pastors wear uniforms, which is weird because it was the Protestants who invented that uniform. You know, a lot of people do not know that it's the Protestants right. who invented the uniform that Rome now wears. And you know, and and so because we wear a uniform, that's bad. Or because they have vestments, that's bad. Or you know, they have liturgical art, that's bad, and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know, I didn't know any really any Lutherans. And the one thing I found out is after I was exposed to the proper distinction of law and gospel, and uh, the christological reading of the biblical text, and was defeated by the word of God itself. I I, I like to tell people I came ki- I came kicking and screaming into lutheranism god drug me into it i'm here against my will because i was defeated but the one thing i found out is is that lutherans uh confessional lutherans they don't talk to anybody except for themselves it's it's the weirdest thing man Okay, so what ends up happening is is that I, I've had a friend of mine describe it as is that if, if you can get into the B- mighty fortress, there's a there's this beautiful cathedral inside of the mighty fortress. It has the most ornate artwork and beautiful stained glass windows, but there are no doors. There are no yeah. doors. You can no, it's like the Hotel California. You can get, you can check out any yeah. time you yeah. but you can never leave. Ah. You know, and, and so uh, when I put when I first made Pirate Christian Radio. The whole point was to drag Lutheranism outside of the mighty fortress and, and give people a, an an alternative to the debate between is it going to be Calvin or is it going to be Arminius it's like hello right. Not, right. not only that there's, there's more Lutherans. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a hey, there's hey. a way different answer, and not only that there are more Lutherans than there are Calvinists by a long yeah, shot right.
1: by a long shot,
0: but good luck finding one
1: The, 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 the fun thing with, with when 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 Matt Whitman came to our church i, I this was just i thought this was so incredibly exactly the way that we are pastor announced the week ahead of time hey we're going to have a special guest next week he's going to be doing a little bit of surreptitious video and uh during the service and and so what happened no one came to church i mean like we always have packed services right you know and nobody is there i'm like are you freaking kidding me? I told Matt Whitman afterwards. I said, man, tells you everything you need to know about Lutherans right there. Yeah, they it's are like,
0: so shy. It's ridiculous. You have a better <laughs> chance of spotting a Sasquatch sometimes, man.
1: <laughs> it's <Right>? so. <laughs> uh, crazy. And you know what's really weird is that we've got the greatest news to share. I mean, just stop and think about once you get like something like objective justification straight in your head – and you're like, no, I'm not going out to tell people if you do this, this, and that. if you repent and do X, X, and Y, then God will forgive you. I'm going out to proclaim to the world, hey, in Jesus Christ, the sins of the world have been wiped out. They're gone. Dude, your sins are history. They have been all answered for entirely. Your death has been destroyed. How can we not be excited about this good news? It's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane.
0: Yeah. And that's in the other we We can even talk about all the passives as it relates to verbs regarding repentance. You know, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that, that that that's a whole other conversation to
1: give it's, repentance to Israel.
0: Yes. Right. You Know and, and I think about uh, you know Peter, you know, so there he is, he's preaching to Cornelius, you know, the centurion. And, and he's in a great neighborhood, Caesarea Maritima, man. That's a that's a good that's a good neighborhood on the Mediterranean. But anyway, so Cornelius, this whole household, they hear the gospel, they believe, they receive the Holy Spirit, they're baptized. And in chapter eleven of Acts, the, the Judaizers, you know, the 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 <laughs> the, the circumcision, you hate with us. And and, and and so what does Peter do? He just lays out what happened, and, and their response was Ah, so God has granted repentance to even the uh-huh. Gentiles. Yeah, 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 there, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and, you
1: know, and a little later in the in the fight at the council, it shows up too. Where remember they were like, no, you have to tell them they must be circumcised. They have to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. And and Peter comes back with the most fascinating answer to them. He he says, no, 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 no. We believe that we shall be saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even as they – the problem at the council was not that they thought the Gentiles needed to be circumcised. It was that they forgot that they were saved by grace and not by circumcision. And so Peter yanks them back into grace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I can't, can't argue with that exegesis. I completely agree. All right. So so your podcast is it a daily podcast? Is it that 5 days a week 7 days a week? How often are you guys putting out a podcast? 5 days a week. 5 days right. a week. 5 so- days a week, 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Most of the time <laughs> um, I mean there
1: are times that there are texts that you just gotta go a little longer on, uh-huh. and there are sometimes that I'm just actually a little shorter, but this, okay. you know the average clearly is about fifteen minutes a day,
0: yeah, okay, so about fifteen minutes a day, and this is a great place, a good resource to introduce you to more in depth verse by verse study and uh, and then also get you in conversation. With the church historically, uh, you know, with the with the church fathers and others, and how they've handled these texts, and so uh, you you make a proper distinction between God's law and the gospel. You uh, you uh, you bring to bear the writings of the church fathers and how they've understood these things in a christological reading rather than the narcissistic uh, reading of uh, of even the Old Testament passages. I, real quick, if no one has, if, if somebody, this is the first time they've heard the phrase proper distinction of law and gospel, what, what do we mean by that?
1: Oh, that's such a great one because the law and the gospel are two different words that God gives. They're both divine. They are both from him. They both have promises, but they are very different because the law is when God tells you, you do this and you don't do that. And the gospel is when God says to you. And this is what I have done for you. (laughs) And so the gospel deals with God doing the verbs and doing the verbs of salvation for us. And the law deals with us obeying God, us doing what he has told us to do. Um, Or more often than not, us not obeying God. Um, I mean, the law shows us, always shows us our sin. Because no matter how well we, you know, you may think I'm doing pretty well and obeying God here. But if you actually sit down with the law like Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, you want to go, go back and read what we did or listen to what we did in Matthew 5. And mm-hmm. by the time Jesus is done with the Sermon on the Mount, well, Luther's phrase is, he out Moses is Moses. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, you know, by the time he's done, you're just like, I am so toast. I am so <laughs> toast. There is no hope for me. And, of yeah. course, that's where he wants you to be so that you can be the poor in spirit to whom the kingdom of God is given.
0: Yeah, I, I think Jesus cheated a little bit. I think Walther has to acknowledge the fact that Christ front loads his sermon with the gospel. <laughs> he
1: he did. He did. He did. He, he, um, and, of course, I think it's fair to say that when we're dealing with law gospel distinction, we're not necessarily talking about um, chronologically. First this, then this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, our ser- – the texts don't i mean especially if you're doing expository preaching, the texts don't always work that way um right. so i'm not I, I I try not to end up bashing somebody over <laughs> with the law I mean it's always bashing myself, I'm preaching to myself yeah. but by the time by the but there are certain texts um you know uh, as for those who do not want me to be king, bring them over here and torture them in front of me. Uh- Make that a gospel. Go ahead and try. You know, I mean,
0: yeah. it's a yeah. clear word of law. Yeah. I always I always crack up. So, you know, it's like, you know, so there we are. It's a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, I'm reading out the, the the biblical text for the day. And the gospel text, there's no gospel in it. Right. And right. I always, and again, when I say, and this is the gospel of the Lord, I, I feel like going, I'm, I feel like I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, you know, I, I want to say this is the law of the Lord, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, but but you get the idea. That's 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 one of the uh artifacts if you would of uh, preaching through a lectionary, you know, that some yeah, so, yeah. sometimes your gospel texts are all law. You know
1: and and, and that's okay because usually when that happens, your epistle texts are very much all gospel. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's like you you might finish from Romans and say and this is the the gospel of the Lord. And you should be glad that you heard it today. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember C.S. Lewis said once, all the really scary things in Scripture are from Jesus' mouth. All the really comforting, hopeful things do mostly come from Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that Jesus didn't say beautiful, comforting things. He did. Yeah, but here's um, the
0: thing. I mean, nobody preached about hell more than Christ. No, and you wouldn't have known about hell if you didn't have Jesus clearly teaching on that. Yeah, you, you, you would have some he, recollection angling, of it from yeah. the Old Testament, from Isaiah, and a couple right. other places. But apart but from that – Nothing clear. Not like no, that. No, I no. Mean, I mean, Jesus is the one who preaches on it, like, scarily.
1: And he also is the one who reveals Satan. Like nobody else reveals Satan. I mean, mm-hmm. he pulls the mask off and says, "Look, guys, this is what you're really facing. This is your enemy." Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's really priceless. Um, yep. No, now, I, I just I love it. Yeah, you know, I'm I need real, to out- go ahead.
0: Go sorry. ahead. No, no, that's okay. I was, I'm interrupting you because I I, I no. wanted to I want to circle back on the church fathers, but I, I can wait for a second.
1: Well, I, I just wanted to add one more thing that sort of. As a feature of thy strong word, thy strong word of the word of the Lord endures forever. Thy strong word was the previous show I used to do. Um, the word of the Lord endures forever is that I try to also inform it from the church's worship life. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, that's, that's sort of my gig, if you will. That's where I spent most of my life working on is, you know, studying how we worship as the people of God. And so there's an awful lot of. From the ancient church, or medieval church, or the Reformation church, or Wesley, or whoever, that'll make it into the 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 podcast. Um, And and I think that that's actually a uniqueness of um, the Word of the Lord endures forever.
0: Yeah, and and that is a that that is a lost art. And I I got to tell you, you know, if you if people can have a love for the Scriptures. Then the hymnody of the of the church historic all of a sudden starts crackling to life, and you realize where has this stuff been? We've you know, we've lost a treasure when we lose our hymnals. Oh
1: my goodness! I, I, I can't even be—you I mean, know—you you, you just you just you just wafted that soapbox right in the front of me. So wow. I got to get on it for just a second.
0: Go um, right ahead. I mean,
1: like c- compare this to okay. I mean, like back in the day, I remember you would hear. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you, how I love you. Jesus, I adore you. Lay my life before you, how I love you. I mean, it doesn't take long before you realize that's not about Father, Son, and Spirit. That song is about me and what I'm doing. And, you know, God, you're really, it's kind of really similar to, I mean, I'm going to get people mad at me, but I mean, I think it's similar to the the Pharisee at the temple there saying, you know, oh, I th- thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. That, you know, it, You've given me the grace to lay my life before you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that kind of an attitude that fills, I think, a lot of the music and words of a lot of what passes as Christian worship in these days. Yeah. It does stand in stark contrast to w- when you're, okay, let I me mean, let me just give you a, an example. I use this in my podcast that I was writing this morning. Um, it's a modern hymn. So it's an, it's not an ancient one. But But listen to these words. In Adam, we have all been one, one huge, rebellious man. We all have fled that evening voice that sought us as we ran. We fled thee, and in losing thee, we lost our brother too. Each singly sought and claimed his own. Each man his brother slew. But thy strong love, it sent us, it's, it sought us still and sent thine only son, that we might hear his shepherd's voice and hearing him be one. O thou! Who, when we love thee not, didst love and save us all, thou great good shepherd of mankind, Oh hear us when we call it just goes on, but I mean yeah. the, the point is it's all about Jesus
0: Yes, it is no and, and I'll tell you this is that uh, there's a, there's a fellow in uh, one of the congregations I serve and he's a convert to Christianity and um, and you know, you know rough rough life prior to that and he he works at our local Walmart. And uh, and so I had the uh, the privilege of serving him and teaching him and catechizing him and then confirming him and bringing him into fellowship in our congregation. And that is one of his favorite hymns. Um, you know, <laughs> in Adam we have all been oh, one, he, one huge yeah. rebellious man. So we sang that a few weeks ago. I I, I wove that into our Advent <laughs> service. And, cool. uh One of and so he was the other day. You know, this is just a couple weeks ago. He was at work and he was uh, singing that. Uh, he was singing that while he was, you know, packing the meat aisle at uh, at the local Walmart. And as he was humming that tune, uh, one of the patrons came in, you know, you know from another uh, Lutheran church, and heard him singing that, and joined him, and they were singing it together in the meat aisle at, at Walmart. Oh, that
1: is so cool! <laughs>
0: It's just a great story, but really? and the thing is, is that I mean that particular hymn. I mean the the melody is haunting, at, yes. you know. To get kind to of go, it really is memorable. And, but his favorite hymn is Thy Strong Word. I mean, he, you know, he asked me the other, "When are we gonna sing Thy Strong Word?" It's like, yeah, well, I think we we might be able to work it in sometime in Epiphany. But <laughs> uh, I, another another one of those from the same author,
1: and I mean, so again, written in the mid twentieth century. That one, of course, written about the the logo of of Concordia Seminary St. Louis. But what I really love on that hymn, Thy Strong Word, is that fourth verse. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. It's not our achievement. It's God speaking it to us, saying, you are righteous. And all of a sudden, you are. It's what he says.
0: Yeah, glorious. Now we press towards glory, and our in our lives, our lives, our hopes
1: confessed. Confess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's glorious. I love that piece too. One yeah. No, I
0: See, you, you, see, we're gonna, we're going to we're going to nerding out on hymns here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we,
1: we got on this. You know what? You'll put the soapbox there. I'm going to
0: climb. I, I, I uh, <laughs> next time I'll be uh, I'll be sure to put it there earlier so we can extend the conversation. So all right. So I'm going to put you on the spot on something. Actually, I wanted to circle back on the uh, on the church fathers for a second because we okay. were we were talking about. Uh, you know, again, church history and things like this. And um, and a good way to think about the church fathers, I think about – I think it was a 1948 translation of uh, Athanasius' On the Incarnation. Mm-hmm. There was a publishing house that put that together uh, mm-hmm. back in the, in the late 40s, and they asked C.S. Lewis to write the to introduction write the to it. Right? And mm-hmm. in the introduction, C.S. Lewis wrote an essay. It's a very famous essay. You can find it still online if you Google it. And the name of it was On the Reading of Old Books – and he and C.S. Lewis made a compelling argument that as Christians we should not be uh, reading a whole lot of modern books. That instead we need to have a steady diet and a very healthy percentage of what we read, not from the latest and greatest and in the brightest and the shiniest, but from right. uh, but from the uh, from the ancient church. And his one of his arguments was that um, that. You know, guys like Augustine and Irenaeus and Tertullian, they all made errors, but they made different errors than we're making today. Bingo! And and, and the errors that they – and the thing is they are – because they are in the grave, they are immune to the errors that we have today. And, and, and so one of the things that I, I think is really a tragic thing that happens, especially in American evangelicalism, is that they seem to think that America is the center of everything. And sometimes their theology and their eschatology oftentimes will center on the United States, but uh, Augustine wasn't an American. Uh, Tertullian wasn't an American. Luther wasn't an an American. Uh, Walther emigrated to America, but the America that he grew uh, that he that he immigrated to is very different than the America of today. And and so uh, when we talk, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that people really think that uh, lutherans are like uh roman catholics light but we use a word we do use the word catholic but we don't mean the same thing as as the way the Ro- rome talks about it. i think roman catholicism is an oxymoron because catholic <laughs> exactly. yeah, doesn't make any sense because catholic means universal rome is a province in italy roman you know? universalism um yeah it, yeah, it doesn't make go, any sense doesn't go yeah so um so that being the case, I, I find in reading old theologians is it gets me out of the American mindset and gets to start to, to me to think more in line with the universal kingdom of Christ and be in communication with and conversation with those who have gone before me or those who are of a different culture, different political background. I mean, Augusta never heard of Trump. Uh you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's one of the most glorious things about these fathers is you're you're reading them, and all of a sudden, I mean, where they're wrong, they're going to be so manifestly wrong to you. It's gonna, yeah. just like, okay, I'm not going to be in danger of falling into that. So, CS Lewis pointed that out. If yep. if they get something wrong, you're going to just, it's going to be like, nah, 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 nah. But on the other hand, they're going to be saying some things that you are blind to because you yeah. share the assumptions of the age, and if you yeah. only live in your own age. Well, how blind is that? Yeah, how beautiful it is to be able to expand our our hearts and our minds to receive the witness to Christ of these people from across a variety of cultures. I mean, like North Africans and and Syrians and yep. and and, uh, and Germans and uh, you know, I mean, you just go down the line. All, all over the place and it, i want to stress that north africa it's not just european i mean so you get this european yeah. centric thing it's like no 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 if anything the ancient church was asia africa centric right mm-hmm. you know I mean uh, the, yeah and the greatest well, mind until the church,
0: islam came along yeah
1: right yeah. right and certainly the greatest mind outside of saint paul is augustine in the history mm-hmm. of the church period there's nobody that comes close yep. and he was an mm-hmm.
0: african yeah, and he spent some a, a healthy amount of time as a heretic too, man. Oh man, so,
1: late have know. I loved thee. Sometimes it yep.
0: shows. <laughs> uh, so, so when we talk about the, you, you had mentioned the fact that uh, in with some church fathers, they they speak in ways that are are not very precise because a particular christological battle hadn't been fought. I, mm. I think of uh, Eusebius of Caesarea, for instance, in this particular yes. regard uh Eusebius I think was very um I, I think he was he he considered guys like Athanasius to be quite extreme yeah. um and and he was he wasn't as on board with uh their their tight precise language Christologically uh as you know and and even his understanding of the hypostatic union seems to be quite uh, underdeveloped um, but uh, in the generation that follows him after after uh Athanasius, everything gets locked down a lot harder, but it still takes a long time for Arianism to work its way out of uh, oh, out of a uh, the long
1: charge. time yeah, no, I mean stop and think about how i mean they're they 're still fighting that toward the end of mm-hmm. the uh, uh fourth century so it it really did take a long time but but the the interesting thing is like um who is it hillary i think that said um, the heretics compel us to put into language things that should never have to be put into language. And, and, and because, because yeah. of that, the language I – mean, like, when, when Athanasius yanked out that term homoousius of one substance and used – and he put all of the weight on that, it was a term that heretics had used the century before to actually teach something false. But he rasps the term and fills it with a true biblical orthodox meaning and yeah. it took the church a while to go i'm not sure we really want to drink this down or not you know i mean is is this absolutely the, the the best way to put it um so you do have those kind of long long discussions in the church about getting the language to carry the biblical weight
0: um yeah. and 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 the reality is is that th- then after athanasius the dividing line for uh, orthodoxy versus heresy is one iota
1: <laughs> one iota i saw an iota subscript
0: yeah yeah and no. I, yeah that's, that's that's what we're talking about here we're talking of you yeah, we're that's not one iota yeah well there you go you know that that's the difference it's 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 one letter one letter is the difference between heresy or or uh orthodoxy so What's i mean i
1: mean the, the terms are you know so is he he's of the same substance as the father, the son is of the same substance as the father, or he is of a similar substance to the father. Yeah. And you get that from homo to homoi. Mm-hmm. You see the I there on the end, the yoda yeah. there. So there yeah. it is. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. And the church realized, though, no, if we say he's just He's kind of like the father, you haven't said the truth that scripture actually lays out. That's yeah. not what he revealed. I and yeah. the father are one. Not I'm kind of like him.
0: Indeed. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot, all right? Because okay. uh, we're we're getting to the point where we're going to wind down our uh, our conversation, which is I I think I can go a few more hours with you.
1: <laughs> uh, I could do it with you. I love I love talking to you, Chris.
0: Okay. So uh so uh, I, I, off the top of your head, all right? Uh so the the charismatics today, the uh, the the ones who uh, claim that they can hear directly from God and that we need to learn how to uh, hear God's voice in our hearts or in the wind or in the trees or in the rocks or whatever, um, that there was a whole lot of people uh, in the year 2020 who made all kinds of prophecies. Uh, and so in the year 2020, you had all the notable charismatic prophets prophesying that 2020 was going to be a year of breakthrough of success and all these kinds of things. And no one saw COVID coming. <laughs> <laughs> Shock. I know. Okay. And the things that they said would happen in 2020 didn't happen. Uh, It was quite the opposite. And so there are a lot of charismatics out there who are trying to kind of navigate what they would consider a compromised position and say, well, listen, surely they didn't – accurate; those prophecies were not accurate, but that doesn't make them false prophets.
1: It's not what Deuteronomy says, is
0: it? That's kind of what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts on this? Is it possible for somebody to – Prophesy falsely and they say, and say, thus saith the Lord. And then that, so their prophecy doesn't come true, but there's still a true prophet.
1: No, I mean, you not only do you have the Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one. if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word that the Lord has spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And you can think about it, Jeremiah 23, where God's like, yeah. they're going around saying, let's set the Lord. I did not send them. I did not give them that word. Look, if you've got my word, speak my word. But if you don't have my word and you're just sharing the dreams of your own heart, don't waste their time. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's very clearly the case that we need to be very cautious of this. I mean, we talked earlier about 1 Thessalonians 5, where where St. Paul said, um Don't despise you know, test everything, hold yep. fast what is good. And then I, I also want to to stress from 2nd John uh verse 9, he says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide, live, stay in the teaching mm-hmm. of Christ does not have God. I mean, just stop right there. If you move beyond the teaching of Christ, the apostle John says. You don't have God. Yeah. And if you stay with the teaching of Christ, you have both the father and the son.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm a pastor, but I've never had, I've never had coffee with Jesus. I've, uh, you know, Jesus and I, we don't, we don't have a scheduled time when we meet together and he, you know, he, you know, and gives me advice and I never get to ask him. So what's on your mind, Jesus, you know, and you know, what's on your heart today? I, we don't have those kinds of conversations. And yet I can honestly say that there isn't a single time where God has not spoken to me when I've opened up the scriptures.
1: Absolutely. I mean, w- when we open up the scriptures, well, I mean, you remember how Jesus would say in John 14 that if you love me, you're going to keep my words. Yes. And and that word keep, that, that that's like um,
0: – Yeah uh,
1: Actually, is that or the minnow word? Um, I think oh, it's the it abiding may- word. I think it okay. might be that one. So anyway, but his point is, it's, you make it a home. You make, you make the scriptures your home. He says, and when that happens, the father and I make our home in you. And of course, does God give us direction in our lives? Absolutely. Through the word. You yeah. Know, as the word lives in you and as you live in it, it most certainly does guide you. And it's a shocking how many times in various circumstances, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind a passage of scripture. You'll go like, oh. This is exactly what he said, right. and, you know, and you're able then to speak a word of peace and of hope. And I think one of the things that's real characteristic of the Spirit's work through the word is that it does bring peace and joy as opposed to um, the kind of fear that yeah. many times so-called prophecies tend to uh, conjure up.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. And 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 the other idea then here is is that you know Scripture talks about the importance of hiding God's Word in your heart and that it's yeah. living and active. And uh, and the, there are people who accuse us of believing in a false Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Uh, the, this is the way they they speak about us, um, or that uh, or that somehow that uh, we we've locked God in a box in the Bible or all this kind of this weird way of talking. But the issue is is that uh, Paul writes and he describes God's word as theanoustas, which is an amazing word if you think about it, is God (sighs) breathed, right? Right. And and, and, uh, the the author of Hebrews says that it's living and active. And uh, and so the work of the Holy Spirit is intimately linked to these words that are written from us from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of, uh, of Revelation and uh and so as we as we read god's word he the spirit is speaking to us instructing us teaching us equipping us convicting us and comforting us all of these things that he does and so over and again you know, somebody say, well well what about this time you know i was i was out in public and there was some homeless person who looked like they needed help and i just felt convicted and i felt like the holy spirit was telling me to go and help that person well duh the scripture was telling you that. to go help them <laughs> yeah
1: the word of god tells us to do that right 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 and you know i <laughs> I, I really want to underline what Jesus said in John six, because I think this is a really important passage to keep in our minds. The words, plural, the words that I speak to you, they are. Anoima. They are spirit.
0: Spirit. Yeah.
1: And they are life. Um, so the words of Jesus are not in some way alien to the Holy spirit or different from the Holy spirit. They literally yep. are the, the, they carry the spirit to you. And the spirit carries through those words faith into your heart, so yeah, yeah. it's all ties together,
0: yeah, indeed, indeed, well, listen, we uh, you know I, like i said i could I could probably talk to you for a few more hours we'll we'll have to figure out how to have you back, but yeah, uh, I'd love yeah, to thank you for your time today and again the uh, the the link to the uh, website so that you can uh l- sign up for the podcast get the podcast on apple or google play or spotify all these things uh you know the uh the website is thewordendures.org and uh, and uh, we'll put the the link to the you know to the resource down below and if you're looking for a great christ centered bible verse by verse it includes a look at how the church historically has read these texts and be in conversation with christians from across the millennia this is the podcast for you so that you can go deeper into god's word so thank you for the work that you are doing uh pastor whedon and uh we uh i look forward to uh, having a follow-up conversation with you sometime in the future so.
1: thank you so much pastor chris it was a joy
0: thank you so what'd you think Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy one by Jesus Christ, by Carrie's death on the cross, for all of your sins. Amen.